You're listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. First sermon of a new year. I'm ready to go. So we're going to start a series today, and it'll take us through six weekends, and that number includes this weekend. So this is the first of six sermons on uh, this topic of faith, and I, I just like racked my brain trying to think of a really clever title for this series, and everything I came up with, I just came away thinking, this is lame. <laughs> and so rather than give you a lame series title, we're just going to leave it untitled. That's fine. You know, Led Zeppelin left their fourth album untitled, <laughs> so... I'm just going to be I'm just going to be like Led Zeppelin. I'm going to untitle this series. And uh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but but we are going to talk about faith, what faith is, what faith isn't. And um, I, I, I really am excited about this series. I think it's going to be helpful and it's going to be eye opening for many of you who have been at Village for a long time. Um, it's going to fit right in probably with with how you've been taught and, and how you've learn to think about faith. Um, but for others of you, maybe you're kind of new here, um, you're new to village, and, and this may be kind of new. This, this might be some new ideas for you. And I just want to encourage you to stick around for the whole series. You know, faith is such a big topic, and I only have a few minutes with you today. So what I'm going to tell you today is not everything I have to say about faith. I, I have a lot of different angles I need to come at this with. So just Bear with me, but I think if you allow the Lord to speak to you, it's going to be really liberating, I think. A, a, a liberating idea of what faith is and what it isn't. So the title of this particular sermon as we get started today is Wrestling with God. And we're going to be in Genesis 32. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture involving one of our patriarchs, Jacob. Genesis 32, beginning in verse 24. <clears throat> Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. By the way, that's all we're told. We don't know what precipitated this. A man just starts wrestling with him. 25. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And the man said, Jacob, or Jacob said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask for my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. In other words, this story is important enough that they're going to signify it by this practice and they're going to remember it for generations to come. 
Let's pray. Lord, as we gather together in worship, we've sung and we've prayed, we've enjoyed one another's fellowship, and now we worship by listening as best we know how to what you want to say through your word. And I pray that every potential distraction or obstacle to your will today would be removed and may we humble ourselves as best we can and receive deeply whatever you want to speak to each one of us individually and together as a church. Let your purposes be established in Jesus' name. Amen. This is uh, a really bizarre story, isn't it? You know, the Bible's filled with all kinds of strange stories. For me, this one is near the top of the list. It's really odd in a lot of ways. For one thing, it's odd because a random guy pops out of nowhere and starts wrestling with Jacob. And we're not told anything that led up to this, if anything led up to it. Did Jacob step on his toe? I don't know. It doesn't say so. It just says a guy jumps out and starts wrestling with Jacob. That's something I hope never happens to me ever in my life. <laughs> I hope I'm not walking down the sidewalk in Burbank and a guy jumps out of the bush and starts wrestling with me. That's really bizarre. What makes it exponentially more bizarre is that somehow or another this man turns out to be God. It says God, Jacob saw God face to face, fought with God. So in some mysterious way, this is God in human form wrestling with Jacob, and yet it says the man could not overtake Jacob. In fact, Jacob puts him in some kind of hold and refuses to let go until the man blesses him. And then we're told that the man was able to make Jacob's hip go out of socket just by touching his hip. And I'm thinking if he can make a guy's hip go out of socket, uh, out of socket just by touching it, I'm thinking he probably could have pinned Jacob a whole lot earlier than that. And yet it says the man could not overtake Jacob. It's really a bizarre story. It's weird in a lot of ways. And it makes you wonder, what is going on here? And why is this recorded here? Obviously, obviously the Israelites saw this as a defining mark of their identity because they adopted this this. Uh, dietary practice so for them this is extremely important what is going on in this story what are we supposed to take from this well perhaps maybe it's something like this you know I have a son who's 15 years old Carson and he's nearly my size now but years ago you know when Carson was a little boy let's say four or five six years old Carson and I would wrestle all the time on the living room floor. In fact, we still wrestle today, but the illustration works better if I take you back about 10 years. But, you know, we would wrestle back and forth for like 20, 25 minutes, tussling around on the living room floor. He's the hero, I'm the villain, and the fate of the world's hanging in the balance. And it would go back and forth. Like I would put him in a, in a headlock, and then he would get out and put me in a sleeper hold. And then somehow or another, I would rest my way free from that. Then I would put him in the dreaded figure four leg lock. And then he would somehow find a way to reverse that and, and put me in an arm bar of some sort. And we would just go back and forth, back and forth, 20, 25, 30 minutes. Now, here's the truth. Here's the reality. At this point, 
in our lives. I was like three times larger than Carson, much stronger than Carson. If I wanted to, I could have pinned him in two seconds, right? But that would take the whole point out of it. For one thing, he's got to get some energy out. I certainly need the exercise. But more importantly than any of that, it's a bonding experience. As Carson and I are wrestling on the living room floor, we're wrestling our way into a deeper bond with one another. And that's kind of what I see God doing with Jacob here and inviting him into, come on, Jacob, let's go to the mat. Let's wrestle a little bit. And this story becomes a defining mark for Israel. They, they signify it with this ongoing practice. It's important to them. And they hold up Jacob as a hero in the story. Why is Jacob a hero in the story? Because he had the audacity to take God on, to take God to the mat, to wrestle with God. And in fact, it's after this event that God gives Jacob a new name. And he calls him Israel, which means something like this. It means one who strives with God. And from this point on, Jacob's descendants will be known as the Israelites. They are the ones who wrestle with me. And when you look at the story of the Hebrew Scriptures, that's exactly what you find. Israel is always struggling and wrestling with God. Now, obviously, more often than not, it has to do with their own stubbornness and their own sin. But this story shows us that actually there can be a positive aspect to wrestle with God. In some sense, God invites us and wants us to wrestle with him. Notice that it's God who confers this name upon his people. God says, this is the distinguishing mark that's going to signify my people is that they have the authenticity and the audacity to struggle with me, to strive with me, to wrestle with me. And it's an essential part of what it means to be the people of God because it's in the wrestling process that our character is refined and our revelation, our understanding of who God is becomes clear. So many of our heroes in the Bible are marked by this kind of boldness and audacity, the willingness to wrestle with God. I think of Abraham in Genesis 18. Um, God tells Abraham, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham pushes back and says, wait a second, God, you're the, you're the Lord of all the earth. You got to do what's right. There are innocent people there. And Abraham, he doesn't just accept it. He pushes back and God doesn't get offended. He's the one who invites Abraham into the conversation. We see a similar thing, and maybe in some ways a more serious thing happening with Moses, where God tells Moses, he just kind of just throws up his hands and says, Moses, I'm done with the Israelites. I'm done with them. I'm going to wipe these people out, and I'm starting over with you and your family. And Moses says, God, you've got a covenant with these people. You're going to ruin your reputation in the earth. If you're going to take them out, you better take me with them. Now, I, I understand what God is doing. I, I understand that there's there's something behind the scenes that's happening that, that God's trying to reveal to Moses. But the point is that Moses was willing to authentically strive in that moment. Same thing happens with David over and over again throughout the Psalms. David's very honest and authentic and says, God, where are you? 
I know, I know your character. I know who you are. So why does it appear that you're acting this way? We see it over and over again. Habakkuk, Jeremiah, Job. They have the audacity to wrestle with God, to authentically strive with God, to struggle with God. And God doesn't get angry at them. He actually commends them for it. This is one of the things that I hope that we are learning about who God is. God is not dysfunctional. God is not insecure. He's totally secure, and he invites us into the wrestling process. He wants us to wrestle with him. He wants us to authentically strive with him because it's in that process our character is refined and our revelation of who God is becomes more clear. The sad thing is, I think for a lot of folks today, we see faith as the absence of struggling. We see it as the opposite of having any kind of questions or doubts or concerns that we would express. There are people, and perhaps you've met people like this, there are people who have a mentality that says, we are the people with all of the answers and none of the questions. We're the people who are free from doubt and we're free from struggles. And if you have doubts, if you have struggles, that's probably a sign that you lack faith. Have you ever met anyone like that? Okay. When you come across people like that, I'm going to tell you very bluntly, just know that you're coming across someone who either is not being honest with themselves or you, or they're just not very bright. Because life is full of ambiguities. Life is full of things to wonder about. The Bible itself is full of things to wrestle over. In fact, the Bible is even part of that conversation. And so there's all kinds of even theological questions that we can wrestle with. For other folks, the questions are not so much theological as they are personal. God, why did you allow my spouse to die? Why did my child die? Why did, I, why did you allow me to go through that abuse when I was a child? Why did I pray for healing and it, I didn't receive it? Um, why don't you help me overcome this addiction I'm, I'm going through? God, why, why, um, why, is, why have I prayed for a husband or prayed for a wife and I haven't received that person yet into my life? Or sometimes the question people wonder about is just like this. They, they're like, you know, I'm coming to church and people talk about how they experience God, they can feel God's presence, and they talk to God and they hear God's voice and they receive words from God. How come I just have a hard time with any of that, I just never feel like I experience anything. I don't feel like I ever hear God's voice. What's up with that? Where is God? That's a question that the Bible asks a lot. And it's a legitimate question to wonder about. And we've got to be a people who are okay with asking these kinds of questions. Why? Because we're descendants of the Israelites. Part of what it means to be a, a person or, or, or a collective people of God, it's our distinctive trademark. We're willing to wrestle with God. And that's not a sign that you lack faith, necessarily. Often, it's actually a sign of a vibrant faith. To have faith, I'm going to give you a simple definition, and I want you to lock this in for the rest of this series. To have faith means that you trust your covenant partner. If you want to know what faith is, the best model I can give you is marriage. The marriage that you have or the marriage that your parents had, the, the, that kind of relationship, marriage is a covenant. And 
to have faith in a person is not just to believe that they exist, but to trust them on a relational level and to pledge to walk trustworthily before them. So when you wrestle with God, it's a way of saying this relationship, this covenant is strong enough to handle this, and I believe it's worth fighting for. And so I'm going to ask questions because I believe, not because I lack faith. Let me give you an illustration. I think this will help you conceptualize this. So a while back, I was walking around in, in a shopping mall. And there's a lot of people in the shopping mall. And, um, but there was one particular young lady who was walking around the mall that day. And let's just say that she was dressed rather provocatively. And she was carrying herself in provocative ways. Now, I don't know her reason for that. I don't know her heart. I don't know what her motive was. But I do know the effect it was having. Uh, people were noticing. Uh, guys were gawking at her. Young women were sneering at her. Wives were squeezing their husbands' hands. You better, you better not. I mean, she was working it. Now, here's the thing. If that was my daughter walking around the mall like that, which Reagan would never do, If that were my young girl walking around like that in the mall, I would immediately go to her, take off my jacket, put, her, put it over her, and say, what's wrong with you? This is not how you dress. We're going home right now. But that's because she's my daughter, and I have a covenant relationship with her. I have a, a parent relationship with her. But you see, this young lady who was walking around the mall that day, she's not my daughter. She's not my wife. I have no kind of covenantal relationship with her. So my job as a kingdom person is to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to agree with God that she's worth dying for. And I'm, I'm to take every other little judgmental thought that enters my mind, and it always happens, but I'm going to take every other little judgmental thought and put it aside and say, God, you love this young girl. She has unsurpassable worth in your eyes. She's immeasurably valuable in your eyes. And she's worth dying for. And I agree with that. And I pray that you bless her and reveal yourself to her in a profound way. That's my one job because I don't have a covenantal relationship with her. But if that were my dear wife walking around the mall dressed like that, I would still agree with God that she's worth dying for. But I would also have a bunch of other thoughts that I would share with her. I would say, honey, what are you doing? This isn't you. This isn't how you dress. This doesn't reflect your character. What's going on? And I'm telling you, we would wrestle over that. We would struggle, and I would be very out loud and vocal and pointed in that confrontation. But that's not because I lack faith in her. It's because I do have faith in her, and I know her good character which is why I'm demanding an explanation for what I'm seeing. And I believe this relationship matters and it's worth fighting for. So therefore, I'm going to authentically strive over this. What kind of marriage would it be if as a husband, I felt like, man, I, I, can't, I can't have that kind of conversation with my wife. I just got to, you know, ignore it. I got to just hold it within, you know, because, man, I don't want to rock the boat. This could end our marriage if I bring up something like this. That would be a pretty crummy marriage. If as a husband, you, you can't bring something like that up to your covenant partner, to your wife. Or even worse, for me to just throw up my hands and say, well, I guess this reveals who she truly is. 
You know, you'd think you would know somebody after 17 years of marriage, but I guess not. And all of a sudden, I just throw everything out because of this one incident. That would show a lack of faith as well. So you see, you wrestle with people and you wrestle with God because, that, because there's a relationship. And that's what you find with Abraham, Moses, David, Habakkuk, Job, Jeremiah, on and on it goes. They were willing to call God on the carpet and wrestle with God, not because they don't have a relationship with God, but because they do. They're like, God, we know you. You're just and you're faithful and you're good and kind and benevolent. So why does it appear that you're looking like this? And they pushed back and God doesn't get angry at them. He doesn't get offended by it. He doesn't strike them dead with a lightning bolt. He actually commends them for it. And he says, yes, these are my people. These are my Israelites because they're willing to wrestle with me because they care enough to wrestle. They believe enough to wrestle. They trust my character enough to wrestle. He commends them for it. And so what God wants more than anything else from you and I is just our honesty, our authenticity. That's the foundation of every healthy relationship. Until you can be authentic with this person, you're going to have a faulty foundation that's going to collapse one day. So I got two challenges that I just want to leave you with, and then we're going to close. Two challenges real quickly. Number one is do we have a kind of trust in God where we have the kind of audacity and tenacity that Jacob had? Jacob's hip is out of socket and he still won't let God go. I want more. I'm hungry for more. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to relent. Even if it takes me into eternity, I'm not letting go until I get the blessing that I'm hungry for. I, um, I grew up in a, a wonderful Christian home. My parents were great Christian parents and I'm, I'm so, so blessed and grateful that my parents raised me in church. And I didn't have an option. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, there was no mystery where Ryan Post was going to be found. You go to this church, and there he is, in his church clothes. <laughs> you know? Blue jeans, no way, you know? Um, but my parents were, were wonderful parents, and I had wonderful people in my church family that, that taught me Sunday school and kids' church and and all of those kinds of things, and, and um, I'm so grateful for that. And, and yet, just like with anybody, nobody's background's perfect, including my own faith background. And as a kid growing up in church, you know, when it came to some of the, the questions that you have about God and the Bible and all, how all of these things work, you know, I was given just the typical Sunday school answers, which I suppose for a little kid is maybe what they need. It helped me. It gave me structure. It gave me stability. It gave me something to cling to. It was like the zip ties that you tie around a young grapevine so the wind doesn't blow it off the trellis. You need some zip ties early on. You need some of that structure external to yourself to keep you on the trellis. But there comes a point as that vine's getting older, as it's growing, those same zip ties that gave it structure need to be cut off or they're going to choke the life of the plant. There were some of those zip ties I grew up with, some of those Sunday school answers that I got that maybe didn't suit me. When I was a young adult and I was thinking and I was curious and I was learning more and more. And, I, and so as a young adult and I go, to, I go to Bible college and I thank God I had a professor that just gave me permission. He said, Ryan, I'm not going to give you Sunday school answers. I'm going to give you wisdom and insight 
where I can, but it's okay, Ryan, for you to authentically struggle with God over some of these things. And he gave me permission to just be open and honest and authentic in my pursuit of the Lord. I still had the stability I needed from early on, but now I had permission to do what Jacob's doing in this picture. I was invited into that wrestling match. And that willingness and that permission for myself to wrestle with God over theological issues and over life issues, personal issues, over the last two decades, it has brought me into a much deeper, richer, closer bond with the Lord. And I've said this before, uh, and I'll say it again, I'm at a stage in my life I've never been more fascinated with Jesus. Never. I'm obsessed with him. But that's the product of me owning my faith and an honest wrestling match with the Lord over the last 20 years and not, not letting God go and hungering for more. Can we be a people who have that kind of hunger and that kind of audacity? I'm not going to let go, even if, even if I don't get what I'm wanting until the end of this life. And then the second thing is this. Can we be a people who can give ourselves and one another the grace that God gives us to be real, to be authentic, to be honest, to embrace one another as we wrestle, and to be okay with people having questions. Now listen, we have a foundation. We sang about a moment ago. We have a foundation. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the center. That's what we cling to. So it's not that we, um, we become all of a sudden just a nonstop questioning club, the opposite of an answer club where we just live in our questions. No, listen, as, as you're clinging to Jesus and as you're building your life on that firm foundation, you're going to find some answers along the way, right? So we have a center, we have a foundation. But never should we buy into this model of faith where we, we just have to accept the party line on everything. We've got to be okay with having questions, having doubts, and allowing people the space to have their own journey, their own wrestling match with the Lord. And as people raise questions... If you feel like you have an answer for them, by all means, share it. Because for all you know, maybe you're the blessing they've been praying for. Maybe you're the answer. You have the answer to the question that they've been praying about. So share your insights and share what you've concluded. Share your experience. And for all you know, it may land. It may not. But we've got to be okay with people being in process. Because, folks, the truth of the matter is we're all in process. None of us are a finished product. I think of the greatest theologians who ever lived. And as profound as our theological insights can be, I think every last one of us, when we stand before Jesus and our eyes are open, and as Paul said, we're no longer looking through a glass darkly, but we see face to face, we're going to look at all of our theological frameworks and systems and be like, how pathetic, how crude. How flimsy, how naive to question, to doubt, to wrestle with God is part of being human. It's part of being a descendant of the Israelites. It's part of being a child of God. And it's an essential part of how our character is refined and how our relationship with God becomes sharpened. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.